Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening. Thanks for joining us. The province's top doctor released new numbers today and says she's encouraged by the efforts of most British Columbians to stay home during this holiday weekend in order to plank the curve of COVID-19. There are 35 new cases in B.C. for a total of 1,445. Three more people, all in long-term care facilities, have died of the disease, bringing our total to 58 deaths. Nadia Stewart has details, including the importance of avoiding all unnecessary travel. As British Columbians settle into the long weekend, there is a renewed warning for people to stay close to home, avoiding travel unless it is absolutely necessary. If you don't have a reason to go, then don't go. New numbers released by the province Saturday show 134 people remain in hospital, an increase of six people from Friday, while 63 of them are in intensive care, a decrease of two. Dr. Henry saying this weekend is key. As long as people adhere to physical distancing and reduced travel, the numbers should continue to reflect that. What happens this weekend is going to be reflected in what we see in the coming weeks. And we do not want to see increasing numbers of cases, increasing challenges in our health care system. It is a delicate balance. Getting outside for some fresh air while maintaining that two meters of physical distance from anyone outside your household. The province says for now there is still no need for a lockdown crackdown, putting tougher restrictions on people heading out to local parks and beaches. Global News has heard from folks concerned about the number of people traveling. Dr. Henry says BC Ferries assures her vessels are only operating at 50% capacity and traffic is down as their schedule has been reduced. Mayors across the province are discouraging out-of-town visitors. Please don't come here. Let's take care of this virus and our health situation once and for all. Stay home in your principal home. Do not go come to a suicide. And Dr. Henry says for the most part, people are getting the message of staying home to slow the spread. They're looking after their family. They're taking care of their neighbours. They're managing this challenging time, um, staying close to home and staying um, a safe distance from others. Nadia Stewart, Global News. Five of the 25 inmates and four corrections officers with COVID-19 at Mission Institution are now in hospital. The federal medium security facility is home to the largest outbreak among inmates across Canada's federal prison network. Dr. Henry says there was a lot of transmission within the prison before the outbreak was recognized. Exhaustive tracing is underway to determine how the virus entered. Staff are also testing anyone who's symptomatic, placing them in medical isolation and banning visits. Some inmates could also be released. Obviously, we are focused on those that are most vulnerable medically, 
um, to look at those cases that can be managed in the communities. And once those decisions are made, uh, we'll be uh, working closely with uh, the Provost of Canada, uh, with our local communities, um, as well as our public health agencies to ensure that public safety is, uh, is paramount. Um, but also looking at uh, reducing the footprint in our institutions with the inmates. Legislative Bureau Chief Keith Baldry joins us now. Keith, the number of hospitalizations has gone up for the first time this week. Something to keep an eye on, especially where equipment like ventilators is concerned. Yeah, ventilators are key equipment in our hospitals. They, of course, were used in intensive care wards and critical care situations. But it was interesting. I asked Dr. Barney Henry, my question today was about actually about ventilators. And I asked Dr. Henry, we're getting some, some news out of England by physicians who say in some cases, ventilators haven't worked. In fact, they've done some damage. And her answer was quite revealing because at the beginning of this, she warned us that things were going to change. We don't know much about this virus. We know nothing about it really at the beginning. And we're finding new things about it all the time. So we'll have a listen here about how this uh, virus affects people in, in significantly different ways. It doesn't just affect your lungs. It also can affect your brain and your nerves. But we are seeing as more people are being infected, we do see that there's many different manifestations of this disease. And we're starting to see that some people have more neurological um, issues, um, especially even after recovery, may have ongoing neurological issues, so affects the nerves or the brain in some people. Um, so I know that the, the critical care doctors are, are monitoring this carefully. So ongoing uh, issues there in terms of how it affects people, particularly neurological ways. That's, that's very, fairly serious stuff. Uh, now, tomorrow, no briefing from Dr. Uh, Henry or from Health Minister Adrian Dix. They're back at it on Monday. We'll be carrying that live on BC1 at 1.30. We'll have all the numbers over the weekend at that point. Colleen? All right. Thanks so much, Keith. A BC nonprofit says there's a crisis happening when it comes to equipping certain frontline workers with protective, personal protective equipment. Safe Care BC is an organization that advocates for long-term care, assisted living, home care, and community living organizations. For the past couple of weeks, it has been collecting donations of badly needed supplies. Safe Care says a survey of its members found that 70% are experiencing a critical shortage of PPEs. Even more alarming, 77% report they have no N95 masks or will run out in the next three days. They're calling on the government and the public for help. So if you have unused and unopened medical supplies or personal protective equipment supplies sitting at home, please consider donating them to our healthcare workers. You can do that through Operation Protect. It's really simple. You just go to safecarebc.ca slash Operation Protect. You tell us how much you have uh, and what you have, and we'll take care of the rest. SafeCare BC has set up drive-through drop-off locations in lower mainland communities. They hope to expand to Vancouver Island and the interior soon. Well, some don't think the rules apply to them, even after repeated warnings to stay home and to avoid high-risk recreation and behaviours. Case in point, a young man was sent to hospital Friday with a serious back injury after he ventured onto a closed ski resort. As Kristen Robinson reports, doctors and police are pleading with the public to stay home and avoid preventable injuries for everyone's sake. Even with clear warning signs, the sunshine, snowpack, and an empty mountain, too tempting for some. That accident didn't have to happen. 
Big White Ski Resort closed since mid-March. But on Friday, a group of young people decided to slide the slopes of Telus Terrain Park. One of them ended up in hospital. This gentleman hurt his back. Uh, it was very serious. His friends called 911. Fortunately, the resort's fire department came to the rescue. It's the type of preventable injury doctors are urging people to avoid during a public health emergency. It's very important that we maintain the number of resources that we have right now in case we face a surge with the COVID-19. That includes our operating room space and that includes uh, all those things that we do to treat preventable injuries in the emergency department. We want to keep our emergency rooms open for all the people that are suffering from COVID-19. With fewer drivers on the roads, police are seeing fewer crashes. Saanich saw a 24% decrease in reported collisions last month over March 2019. Abbotsford recording a 32% decrease in March crashes year to year. And March collisions down 25% in Delta, where the police chief warns traffic rules are still being enforced. Last thing we need is more crashes on the road, leading to more people going to hospital and filling up emergency rooms. Big White hoping the young man who landed in Kelowna General Hospital with a serious back injury will encourage others to stay home and stay away from unpatrolled powder during the pandemic. We're asked to stay at your home. We're asked not to put yourself in risk, so first responders, and you don't take up a bed in a hospital. Kristen Robinson, Global News. Despite the federal government's emergency response benefit, as well as provincial and municipal support programs, many families are concerned they'll fall through the cracks because of this pandemic. As Paul Johnson reports, some single parents are worried child support will dry up because a former partner is now out of work. Whether you're taking care of someone who's sick, have been laid off, or are living with a disability, the CERB is there for you. With the economy in peril, Ottawa's emergency response benefit has come as a timely lifeline for millions. But what if your income was based on what you did in the home? The government programs do not provide support. Vancouver East MP Jenny Kwan has this story from a constituent, a single mom who relies on child support and maintenance, who's been notified by her ex that he's not paying because his business is closed down. In this situation, she's not able to turn for help uh, to the government because she does not qualify uh, for CERB. Kwan's understanding is that there are likely tens of thousands of single parents in this category, not eligible for the benefit because they weren't working, but not working because their support was in place. In normal times, they'd turn to the family courts for help, but with the courts now running at reduced capacity, their options are few. Now we're hearing from uh, single parents who are losing their maintenance, their child support, and they're in a dire situation. Colleagues, before we begin our proceedings, I would like While to... While the skeleton crew of MPs gathered in Parliament Saturday to pass some of the emergency economic measures Ottawa has launched, closing gaps like the one that single parents could fall through wasn't part of it. Though a spokesperson for Employment Minister Carla Qualtro told Global News parents can now get a GST tax credit and an increased child benefit. For Kwan and her colleagues in the federal NDP caucus, it's still not enough. What we need for the federal government to do is to bring in a measure that ensures that nobody is left behind. Paul Johnson, Global News. 
The hospital employees union has had to remind workers at a big box grocery retailer that their members are also frontline hospital staff battling the COVID-19 pandemic. Two HEU members who work as care aides went separately to a lower mainland Costco on Thursday to do their essential grocery shopping. But when they went to show their identification and take advantage of the store's policy to give them priority access to frontline healthcare workers, they were told to get in line. The HEU says its members are just as essential as doctors and nurses in helping patients recover from the crisis. They left in a, a feeling quite distressed about um, about the fact that they weren't able to uh, to avail themselves of an op- what is a, an important opportunity for healthcare workers who are on the front lines, uh, who are working in some cases 12-hour shifts, maybe maybe longer, uh, on the front lines of fighting COVID. Our members are their care aides, their porters, housekeepers, lab assistants. They work in all parts of um, our hospitals and long-term care facilities, and uh, and in the community, and they. Uh, they are every bit as much on the front line as any other healthcare worker. So, of course, they, they, they assumed that the policy applied, uh, applied to them. The HEU spoke with an assistant manager of the Costco to inform them that their policy applied to all healthcare workers. Our calls to Costco were not returned. A man is in hospital with life-threatening injuries after a shooting in Vancouver last night. Police were called to the area of Main Street and Union Street just before 11 o'clock over reports of a man shot. The victim was rushed to hospital. Police say the investigation is ongoing and no arrests have been made. Ever since the pandemic reached our part of the world, we've been told by health and government officials to keep our distance, cough or sneeze into our elbows and wash our hands. As Julia Foy tells us, this next story should prove once and for all why the surfaces we all touch every day could be hazardous. Like everybody on, in the building is kind of on edge now because of it. Vancouver condo owners Ryan and Kim Miskey are still in shock after learning that a man had been caught on surveillance video going into their building's elevator and spitting on the elevator buttons. I didn't I didn't believe it at first because when people posted about it, I was like, oh no, they probably just threw bleach on there or something like that. Pretty disgusting to like realize, oh, what that really did happen. And it's easy for you to get into that mob mentality of like, we want to find this person, we want to shame them and we want to out them. You also don't know if this person has mental issues, what's going on in this head to make somebody do, do something like that. Residents of Mechanica were first alerted on April 4th that something had happened in the elevators. But then resident Marie Huey was sent this video from a friend. You know, hey, this this guy is doing this in your building. Just be careful if you see him. And I was just completely disgusted and appalled, especially during this time. On Friday night, Huey decided it was time to get the word out on social media. You know, seeing this and seeing like actual video footage of somebody in our elevator doing this is just enraging. You know, it makes me kind of scared to go into the elevator and, and touch any part of the building. Now this is an issue that's viral and everybody knows about it when it could, could be handled internally. You know, it's just that one bad apple in a building. The Vancouver Police Department tweeted at Huey to contact them, but she says when she called, it was not good news. Apparently there's nothing criminally wrong with what he did and uh, they weren't able to really do anything for me. Huey believes the man may be a resident because he came into the elevator from the parking garage and is carrying an access fob. So obviously we would like the person out of our building. 
As for the Miskies, they think more needs to be done to protect the residents because it's not known whether the suspect has COVID-19 or not. We have to take more care for the people that, that possibly could be in the hospital, could die and have a negative reaction to this virus. This is where, you know, the scary part for this comes through, you know what I mean? Because I, I might be able to touch that and, and nothing will happen to me, but someone else, it could be way worse scenario. Julia Foy, Global News. A Vancouver Island construction and disposal company is giving back to the community during this pandemic. Long lines of traffic in Nanaimo this long weekend, all because of the Milner Group's garden soil giveaway. People are flocking to the company's recycling facility near Brennan Lake campsite for the free dirt. Two yards of premium soil are up for grabs for anyone who wants to grow their own veggies at home. Distancing procedures were in place, of course, with Milner staff loading the soil into vehicles as they drove through. We came to get our free soil today so we can uh, get our garden beds going. Yeah, they were short a little dirt and I needed to fill them up anyways, so it worked out good that they were giving it out for free. Oh, this is wonderful. We were, you know, cooked up for a couple weeks and, uh, you know, gardening is a family event. Uh, we've got a garden started and uh, I want to use it for potatoes too. We're going to add it to the potato plants because you have to build them up, right? Well, we actually just got um, a new garden bed and so we're going to start planting potatoes and vegetables and start to grow some of our own stuff. Victory garden! Victory garden! <laughs> Milner Group is also offering free soil delivery for frontline healthcare workers. Nice. Trying to keep the supply chain stocked continues to be difficult for B.C. truck drivers who have trouble finding bathrooms and meals as facilities continue to shut down during the pandemic. That's why some food trucks across the province have been setting up at unmanned fueling stations that are accessible to truckers, that is. It's all thanks to a new social media page dedicated to finding drivers a hot meal so that they can continue to transport food, medicine, and other essential items for the long haul. Donations are helping to provide the food and services. Food trucks are stepping up in places like Kamloops, Prince George, and Kelowna. People are starting to be aware that we're here. Um, the truckers are talking to each other. So, you know, they, they grab something to eat, they really like it, they're spreading the word. We got guys showing up saying, I heard about this, and, and so we're definitely getting them coming through. Well, it will be a very different Easter weekend for those who celebrate it, but the Easter Bunny will be working just as hard. And thanks to a creative initiative by a local rabbit rescue society, you could even have the Easter Bunny visit your family. The organization called Rabbitats Rescue Society works to safely house and foster the province's feral rabbit population. It's powered by volunteers and donations. This year, Rabbitats is offering donors a house call from real Bunnies, or as an alternative, anybody, somebody dressed up as the Easter Bunny. He'll be delivering treats to all families that he visits as a, at a safe distance, of course. We can't go out and do our usual fundraising, meet and treat events and all the things that we usually do. And so, uh, but we still always have so many little mouths to feed at our shelter and our sanctuary. So for a donation to our rescue, we'll either bring some super sweet and friendly bunnies to people's yards and then stand back and let them feed the bunnies. Or we can come by your house and deliver a basket of treats curbside. 
The organization is taking bookings for tomorrow and Monday. And if you would like to donate, you can contact Rabbitats directly at events at rabbitats.org. Here's where the COVID-19 numbers stand in Canada. There are more than 22,000 cases. 600 people have died. Nowhere is being hit harder than Quebec, where more than 11,500 people have tested positive and more than 240 have died. But there is some hope. More than 6,000 Canadians have recovered from the virus so far. The federal government has struck a deal with opposition parties to swiftly approve an historic wage subsidy program aimed at helping businesses and individuals survive the economic ravages of COVID-19. Keith Baldry has the details. Well, the word extraordinary is used all the time to describe the times we're living in. And it certainly can be applied to what we saw in Ottawa today, a historic Saturday sitting of the House of Commons where the parties all agreed to suspend the rules and pass a landmark piece a mammoth $73 billion wage subsidy program in just one day. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau evoking memories of World War II and liking our situation to a war footing from Second World War and pointing out that the greatest generation right now is occupying a number of uh, beds in our most vulnerable areas, which of course are residential care homes. Here's the Prime Minister. There is no front line marked with barbed wire. No soldiers to be deployed across the ocean. Instead, The front line is everywhere, in our homes, in our hospitals and care centers, in our grocery stores and pharmacies, at our truck stops and gas stations. Conservative leader Andrew Scheer also took the floor today in the House of Commons. Opposition parties in a strange spot right now. They want to hold government's feet to the fire, but they don't want to be obstacles to getting things done. Here's Conservative leader Andrew Scheer. Also Dan Kelly from the Canadian Federation of Independent Business pointing out just what desperate situation businesses find themselves in right now. The need to show a 30% revenue decrease to qualify for the wage subsidy meant too many new and seasonal businesses didn't qualify. We raised this concern and now there is more flexibility. Business owners in some cases are are thinking that uh, they're not sure whether their business can go on and for some they're thinking about whether they wish to take their own life as a result. Um, There are supports out there for business owners and I'm, I'm desperately hoping that we can get across the finish line So even with this historic wage subsidy program being approved in the House of Commons and the Senate, uh, it's still going to take some time for the money to flow out the door to businesses that are in desperate situations and need it badly, but the money can't come soon enough. Keith Baldry, Global News. Air Canada says it's reconfiguring some of its aircraft passenger cabins to transport essential cargo across the country. The revamp to three Boeing 777s, pardon me, The revamp to three Boeing 777s will double cargo capacity to just under 90 tons. That can fit up to 9 million medical masks. Air Canada has operated 40 all-cargo flights since March 22nd. Plans to operate up to 20 per week with the addition of these newly converted planes. Evacuations have started for an Antarctic cruise ship stuck off the coast of Uruguay. To repatriation process is underway for several Australians and New Zealanders on board, but it's unclear how many North Americans, including Canadians, were among the 217 people on that vessel. Passengers have been stranded since the end of March. The Greg Mortimer ship is operated by Aurora Expeditions out of Australia. And here's the shocker. It's believed 60% of those on board have tested positive for the virus. 
There are now more than 1.7 million cases of COVID-19 around the world that we know of. The U.S. is reporting more than 20,000 deaths, surpassing Italy as the country with the most fatalities. Today alone, the U.S. recorded more than 1,700 deaths. And as Jennifer Johnson reports, in each state, the local governments are struggling with making decisions about school reopenings and church services on this holy weekend. As America becomes the world's greatest victim of COVID-19, government officials continue to plead with citizens to stay home. But on this holy weekend, there's a state-by-state debate over allowing people to attend religious services. At least eight states are allowing people to congregate Easter Sunday, including Florida, whose governor continues to preach social distancing. And we said... Stay away from crowds, stay home as much as you can, Uh, be careful out there. In other states, church parking lots will be patrolled and license plates recorded to enforce 14-day quarantines. But in most cities and towns, pews will be empty. The faithful looking for hope through online services. Be patient. Endure. The Reverend Timothy Cole will speak to his congregation through video after COVID-19 put him in intensive care for 21 days and forced nearly 400 of his parishioners to self-isolate. If anyone was to come uh, to church um, and get the virus and die, uh, then I think we would all feel really, really uh, terrible. President Donald Trump backed off from his earlier hope of filling up Easter Sunday churches. Now he's focused on slowly reopening businesses and plans to meet with a new task force studying that next week. The World Health Organization and White House coronavirus doctors are warning if lockdown measures are lifted too early, infection rates could soar again. It's his choice, but I certainly will continue, as I've always had, to give my honest assessment of the scientific and data that is really the evidence that I base my judgments on. But local leaders are really in control of what will reopen and what will stay closed. New York City's mayor has decided to suspend the rest of the school year at America's largest district. It's literally a painful decision to close our schools because we feared at that moment that we would not be able to bring them back. Schools are expected to reopen in September. Lawmakers and educators have learned their lesson on just how dangerous COVID-19 can be. Jennifer Johnson, Global News, Washington. In Health Matters tonight, unprecedented measures to use technology to track coronavirus are raising some concerns about privacy. Apple and Google are teaming up to create smartphone technology to help the public health agencies monitor the spread of the infection. The technology is intended to work on both iPhone and Android devices. Next month, the companies also plan to roll out a contact tracing system that will use Bluetooth technology in phones to alert people if they've been in the vicinity of someone who has the virus. This is what we call in academia the ethics of data. Um, uh, People need to know that they are being tracked and they have to do it optionally. The South Korean government is taking tracking one step further. Officials will strap electronic wristbands on people who defy self-quarantine orders. A senior health official acknowledged the civil liberty concerns, but says authorities need more effective monitoring tools because the number of people under self-isolation has ballooned after the country began enforcing 14-day quarantines on travelers arriving from abroad since April 1st. Under the country's recently strengthened laws on infectious disease, people can face up to a year in prison or be fined up to $8,200 for breaking quarantine orders. 
The World Health Organization is looking into the possible reactivation of COVID-19 in recovered patients. It comes as South Korean officials reported 91 patients thought to be cleared of the virus had tested positive again. This has prompted questions that the virus could have reactivated rather than the patients being reinfected. The WHO is working to get more information on those individual cases. Current guidelines involve a patient being discharged from hospital after two consecutive negative results in a clinically recovered patient, at least 24 hours apart. But listen to what Dr. Bonnie Henry has to say when she was asked that question today. It's unclear whether it is people starting to shed the virus again, which can happen with, uh, we know, with other viral infections, whether they are, are able to pass it on, so whether it's live virus that they can pass on to others, um, still not clear. Um, it does not appear to be. Um, whether it's a reactivation or whether it's a test issue, because some of the tests that we have um, can be falsely positive or falsely negative, or it may be picking up just more shedding of a virus that's no longer live. So it is the, the genetic material from the virus. And there's an ongoing discussion about that. It, it does not appear that that is driving an increase in infections in the community. Um, but obviously, we're watching that carefully to try and better understand what it means in the, in the grand scheme of things. How one man climbed the equivalent of Mount Everest right in his own home. We're going to have that for you right after Yvonne's forecast. And Yvonne, well, that picture behind you pretty much tells the story. Yeah, stunning day once again, uh, filled with sunshine. Our long-range forecast temperatures are actually going to start to bump up. A few areas will be pushing closer to 20 degrees, so I'll show you more on that in just a moment. Yes, this stunning shot taken in Vancouver by John today, so thank you so much with the water, the mountains in the background, and a few other spots today in Maple Ridge captured by Lorraine this morning, early in the morning. There's cherry blossoms out there, so it's stunning. Stick to your neighborhood. This was taken in Surrey, so thank you so much. And Okanagan Lake captured by Julie. If you'd like to send me your photos, a weather window at globaltv.com is the email, or tweet me at Yvonne Shell. All right, here's the weather picture right now. Temperatures have bumped up into the double digits today. We're sitting at 13. It is windy, especially for southern areas. We'll continue to see that overnight and for the morning hours. We've got a west Westerly wind sustained at 33 kilometers per hour, and that's just out of the airport. Highs today into the double digits. The interior with Kamloops getting up to 11. Still quite chilly for the northeastern corners of the province, and temperatures will dip down once again overnight. It is clearing across Metro Vancouver. We'll dip down to 3 with clear conditions. We still have windy conditions for tomorrow morning. Temperatures will sit at 7. And by the afternoon for Easter Sunday, Easter egg hunt, 13 degrees. Areas away from the water getting up to 16 degrees. Original of high pressure is building in across the province. We'll continue to see sunshine, dry conditions. A bit of a blip will be on Tuesday as the system across the northern half will sink its way towards the south, overriding that ridge, and we will see the potential for more cloud cover. A few showers, mostly along the south coast, and the interior could see some isolated flurries, and that'll be for higher elevations. And then it rebounds Wednesday, Thursday onwards, and towards the end of the week, it is going to warm up. The piece, the wind chill will feel closer to minus 5 for tomorrow morning. Temperatures getting just just above the freezing mark and then a nice jump on Monday into the double digits with 12. Whitehorse, the wind chill overnight at minus 17. 
a southerly wind up to 30 kilometers per hour and into the double digits on Monday. Along the north coast, one more dry day for Easter Sunday, partly cloudy. Showers moving in for both Monday, Tuesday, unsettled and even potentially into Wednesday. And Caribou and Central Interior dry for tomorrow. A few showers rolling in with an increase in cloud cover for Easter Monday and then on and off showers on Tuesday, but getting up to 10 degrees. Columbia and Kootenai dry over the next two days. Fantastic conditions, a change on the way for Tuesday. So most areas across the southern interior and higher elevations will start to see some moisture moving in on Tuesday. Wind chill for the morning hours for the Thompson, Okanagan, chilly, feeling closer to minus four. And Whistler, 13 as the high, paired with sunshine over the next two days. Showers rolling in on Tuesday. Still quite windy, especially for southern areas across the island. It'll be for the morning hours. We do have dry conditions. Easter egg forecast for tomorrow. Mainly sunny sky. Temperatures will be up to 13 degrees away from the water, closer to 16. Easter Bunny for tomorrow in full swing. We are going to see the sunshine leading into Monday and a few showers just popping up late in the day. And then it's really going to start to warm up midweek for both our Wednesday, Thursday. Colleen? Sounds good. Thanks, Yvonne. The coronavirus lockdown may have plenty of you ready to scale the walls in frustration, but one runner has put his pent-up energy to better use by climbing the height of Mount Everest in his own home. It took John Griffin four days to climb 41,000 steps at his three-story house. That's the equivalent of the 29,000 feet that the world's highest mountain measures. I had a mad idea the other day when I just walked to the top of my house to my bedroom for the fifth time and I said to my wife, I think by the time this crisis is over I'm going to have climbed Everest. That gave me this idea. What if I climbed Everest virtually by walking up and down the stairs? So I've worked it out and it's going to take me about 1,380 ascents. Using a computer to track his progress, the 53-year-old almost came unstuck on day three when he, his knee began to hurt, but he took his wife's advice to tape frozen peas to it and managed to push through. Finally reaching the summit after 29 hours of climbing, Griffin's family, including their dog, were waiting on the rooftop terrace when he ran up the stairs for the final time. And this wasn't just a time-filling exercise. Griffin's effort has so far raised $4,300 for the Trussell Trust, a charity that supports more than 1,200 UK food banks. You know, even with physical distancing, we all know that COVID-19 is spread through human contact. Behavioral scientists are even more specific, blaming it on a habit we all do over and over all day long. But there are tips and tricks to help us stop touching our faces. How often do you do this or this and not even realize it? We touch our faces about 23 times per hour on average. But that habit, ingrained in all of us, makes us even more vulnerable in the fight against COVID-19. 98% or more of all people who will eventually die of COVID-19 are not yet infected. They're going to be infected, and they're going to be infected by touching their eyes, their nose, or their mouth with their fingers. Members of the Psychonomics Society believe viruses are spread through basic human behavior, like shaking someone's hand or touching a doorknob without washing your hands. It's often said that we catch viruses from other people, but really we give them to ourselves. According to Dr. James Pomerantz at Rice University, we can learn to change our behavior. You have a friend gently remind you every time you touch your face. 
and reciprocate when you notice him or her doing the same. One very effective technique is to occupy your hands otherwise. Another idea? Change your posture. Keep elbows off the table or sit in a chair without armrests. An ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure is the old adage. Uh, the problem is we don't pay enough attention to that old adage. In a world where our new normal includes incessant hand washing and social distancing, another simple way we can all help flatten the curve. Wendy Wolfolk, NBC News. Good advice. Barry's here with a look at sports, and you have a story that reminds us all that every day is precious. Yeah, certainly uh, sad news. Maybe maybe some people aren't familiar with the, this young man, but uh, sad news from the Edmonton Oilers today. Forward Colby Cave has uh, passed away after suffering a brain bleed earlier in the week. Cave was placed into a medically induced coma after an emergency surgery t- Tuesday in a Toronto hospital but he died this morning. Cave played 11 games with the Oilers this season, 44 over the past two years. He's from Battleford, Saskatchewan, played his junior hockey with the Swift Current Broncos from 2011 to 15. Cave was just married last summer. He's being remembered as a driven hockey player, but more importantly, a caring, kind young man. He was just 25. Well, even though it's still four months away, Tennis Canada has canceled the Rogers Cup scheduled for Montreal this August due to the COVID-19 pandemic. Bianca Andreescu was looking to defend her title one last year in Toronto. The Rogers Cup men's event scheduled for Toronto at the same time is still on for now, but that will also likely be canceled very soon. The CFL announced earlier this week their season won't start until at least July 1st, and realistically it's likely to start much later than that, which means Lions' new head coach Rick Campbell has a lot of time on his hands to prepare his team for battle. The only certainty is uncertainty right now. The last place Rick Campbell expected to be six weeks before his scheduled first training camp with the BC Lions was to be wandering the very lonely streets of Vancouver, wondering when or if that season will ever begin. Campbell was hired in December, but it could be many more months until he coaches his first game as a Lion. I don't know, I find the best thing is to just kind of take it one day at a time and and keep working and try not to think about the big picture too much because when you do that, it's, you know, there's a lot of uncertainty right now. As you can hear, Campbell's a pretty even-keeled guy, which is a good quality to have in the hyper-emotional game of football, and especially during a life-altering pandemic. So he's trying to use his time wisely and get to know his players and coaching staff. We're going to do some uh, voluntary meetings. They don't have to do it, but um, I think it's good for everybody to stay involved and um, stay in touch. You know, we can share playbook ideas and stuff like that, so... Um, we're going to do that, and I think it's, like I said, I think it's a healthy thing. I know it is for me just to try to keep my mind on, on my job and, um, and then uh, be ready to go whenever, whenever we get the green light. Training camp, which was scheduled to start in mid-May, has been postponed indefinitely, but the CFL Canadian draft will go as planned April 30th, and that is a focus for the front office and coaches right now. The players are certainly motivated to get back to the playoffs, but being in this indefinite holding pattern is foreign territory for these pro athletes. I mean, I, that is a challenge, is just keeping morale up, which, like I said, it's not just our football team, it's for everybody. But I think if you focus on being healthy and 
um, be happy. And I always try to remember that through weird times and stuff, there is going to be an end date and things will get back, be back to normal. And so, uh, you know, we'll have to figure out all these logistics, but I know we'll find a way to get it done. And we're back and Barry didn't get the white memo. We'll email you tomorrow, Bear. Well, you're yeah, like, well, I got to wait, right? June 21st, I think, right? For, for me. Oh, really? Because you, you follow those guidelines. <laughs> okay. All right. As long as we know, <laughs> that's okay. Listen, every night on the news hour, just before many of you head out to your window or your door or your balcony to make some noise, we thank our BC healthcare heroes. And Yvonne, who do you have for us tonight? Yeah, we've got lots. So thank you for all your nominations. Tonight's comes from Lola Miller, the very proud mother of Sarah Miller, picture here. Sarah works as a lab assistant at Abbotsford Regional Hospital. Sarah and her team work around the clock behind closed doors doing the vital and hazardous work that is needed to help the front lines make their decisions. So thank you, Sarah. If you have a healthcare hero to nominate, email us your pictures and why they're your, your, why they're your hero to BC Healthcare Heroes at globalnews.com. Ca. We'd love to see them. And a wow. description's always always helpful. Oh, yeah. And then we get, because you want to know the story behind it all. Absolutely. It's, it's really important. Um, many families have been separated during this crisis. And for a husband in Surrey, that means not being able to visit his wife of 55 years. She has Alzheimer's and lives in a care home. Before the pandemic, Gurdev Singh Bahi would visit with his wife, Joginder Kaur, every day to sit with her and remind her of their life together. But to keep her safe, he is no longer allowed to visit her in the home. Now, for the first time in three weeks, they were reunited. Aw, thanks to the care of the caregivers, the help of the caregivers, he was able to visit with his wife again through the window. Their daughter shared this video with Global News, saying it reaffirms their true love and how they're managing during this very difficult time. Isn't that lovely? Great video. Mm, yeah, it's tough. You know, some, some people are more affected by this than others, obviously. Oh. And when you see that, you realize it's, uh, there's not much you can do. And it's just great to see people get, uh, get some help to, uh, just to have that you know, contact, I guess. Stay connected. Great yes. to see. Now, as we keep you informed on COVID-19, Donna Friesen will be hosting a special program on Sunday evenings. It's called Coronavirus, The New Reality. And it starts tomorrow night at 7 o'clock right here on Global. Jordan will be here at 11. In the meantime, be kind, be calm, be safe. Thanks for watching.